are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Wednesday, July 14th, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs. Managing Editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, Director of Scouting at TheDraftNetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and today on the show, going to be talking about what the Dolphins lost this offseason on the offensive side of the football and how that should impact your expectations for this football team. We're going to be measuring what the Dolphins lost by snaps by looking at what volume of snaps Miami lost, comparing it to some of the other teams across the league for a little bit of added context. Lots of great conversation to be had there, but not before we get into Miami's hunt for the first time since 2002 to achieve this singular trait. And that is coming up right after we discuss the exciting opportunity that Locked On Dolphins myself, and a number of other Dolphins outlets across the internet are pooling together. An opportunity that we announced on Twitter yesterday we're very excited about. Um, We're pooling together to create a 16-team fantasy football league comprised of Miami Dolphins fans and media personalities alike. And there's an entry fee into this fantasy league, but the entry fee doesn't go towards winnings, a division champion, a series of division champions, a league champion, most points scored, anything like that. The financial implications here, there's a $100 buy-in to this league where every single person in the 16-team league is going to be responsible for, but that money's not being submitted to anyone. That Money is being submitted to the Miami Dolphins Foundation as donations to Dolphins Challenge Cancer, their annual cancer fundraiser. So this fantasy league in which you get to rub elbows with the likes of Houts, grinding the tape, a.k.a. yours truly, the three yards per carry guys, Big E, the Miami Dolphins Fan of the Year last year, Mike from DolphinsTalk.com, And some other names that I'm not really at liberty to mention just yet. You're going to have the opportunity to win a spot in this league and compete against all these guys. We'll have a big group chat. We'll raise money for cancer. We're going to raise $1,600 for cancer. I'm stoked. And this is something I've, I've been excited to kind of bring into the conversation and talk about because it's the cool thing for me is seeing so many different media personalities from different outlets who, whether you want to perceive them to be rivals or guys who are competing against one another, at the end of the day, everybody's rooting for the same thing. Everybody wants to see the Miami Dolphins have success. It's a a joint passion that everybody has. And uh, everybody putting whatever job vocational lines that exist aside to do something like this to help raise $1,600 for cancer research courtesy of Dolphins Challenge Cancer is just a a tremendous, tremendous testament 
to a lot of the people that we have in this industry and in this space. So where do you come into play for that? I'm glad you asked. Uh, everybody of the eight media personalities, members, whatever you want to classify them as, uh, who's partaking in this league is going to be responsible for a plus one into the league. How they determine how to use their plus one is completely up to them. I can't speak for Houts, can't speak, speak for three yards per carry. Uh, Big E already went out and got uh, Mike from DolphinsTalk.com, who he's familiar with. They do some work with Jason Sarney, who I didn't mention the first time around. However they choose to, to use their plus ones is up to them. I could tell you for me, we're going to do a contest. I have not quite finalized the parameters of this contest yet, but what I can tell you is that if you are in a place in your life where a $100 donation to Dolphins Challenge Cancer is not a realistic option for you financially, I want you to know you are still going to have an opportunity to partake in this league because Locked On Dolphins is going to be paying the donation dues of whoever ends up winning the competition to become our candidate as a plus one. So our participant, whoever I end up choosing in whatever contest we come to, I got your dues. I'm paying for you to play. Because I want everybody to have an opportunity to be a part of this really, really cool experience that I am lucky to be a part of a group of Dolphins media personalities who are all pooling together to do something great. Putting that on your radar. So let's shift gears. I wanted to put that in the front of your minds as we get ready to, to finalize and we'll announce the other three signed up media personalities and move forward from there. The Dolphins are looking for something that they haven't done since 2002. And they got close this past year. I don't know if you realize it or not. The Miami Dolphins, uh, for the first time since 2006, had two all-pro players on the roster. Xavier Howard at cornerback and Jason Sanders at kicker. We talked about this about two weeks ago. Somehow Jason Sanders' first-team all-pro does make the Pro Bowl. Go figure. But I digress. It's a conversation for another day. The Dolphins, the last time they had two all-pro players on the same team in the same year, it was 2006 under Nick Saban, and it was Jason Taylor, first ballot pro football Hall of Famer, and Zach Thomas, who's long overdue to be inducted to Canton. That's the last time, 2006. It's been 15 years since the Dolphins had two all-pro players on the same team in the same year. They equaled, in the first season of the 2020s, they equaled the number of all-pro honors they received, the Dolphins received as individual accolades, in the entirety of the 2010s. Two. And those two guys... It was Jake Long in 2010 and Cam Wake in 2012. Those are the only two times in a decade that the Dolphins got first-team All-Pro honors. And they got two in 2020 between Howard and Sanders. When's the last time they got three or more? 2002. 
a team that somehow finished 9-7, and seven, lost their final two football games, finished third in the AFC East, and missed the playoffs. They had four first-team All-Pro players. Ricky Williams led the NFL in rush in 1,800 yards. You had Patrick Sertain. You had Jason Taylor, and you had Zach Thomas. They had four that year. And Miami was arguably should have had three this year. Because they got Xavier Howard, they got Jason Sanders, Jakeem Grant finished second team All-Pro as a punt returner behind only New England's Gunnar Olszewski. Which is a joke. Miss me with it, but that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So that's the hunt for Miami. And that is... I, I think going to be a really big piece of how this team evolves from here is where do you get your elite play? We've talked about this in the last two weeks as well. Where do your game changers come from that you're going to lean on on any given week? You should have a lot of pride that on any given week, any, any number of different guys is willing to step up. But the elite teams have game changers that change the game plan of opposing teams because you have to neutralize them, and then you spend the entire 60 minutes holding your breath, hoping that guy doesn't show up and do what he does every week and wreck your play and make a game-changing play. Who are those players going to be for Miami? Because those are the kind of guys that get first-team All-Pro recognition. Dolphins crossed the 40 last year. You put them on the board for three points. It was considered a lock. And for the majority of the season, it was. Sanders finished the year 36 of 39 on field goals. Xavier Howard every week. Man, when's that pick coming? You know he's going to have one. Doop, there it is. Okay, cool. He got another one. Wow, he finished the year with 10. Who else can be those players? That's the pressing issue for Miami. That's what you need to evolve and become the next step. There's no greater evidence of this than Pro Football Focus did a story or a series and it was the three cornerstone pieces for every NFL franchise to build around. Their choices for the Dolphins were Xavier Howard, Jalen Waddell, and Tua Tungvaloa. Now, you could pick a lot worse than, than having two players at quarterback and wide receiver who were top six overall selections in the last two years. Xavier Howard, he's the team's best player. But he's also 28 years old, has a laundry list of knee issues at his disposal, has a contract dispute, might not even want to be on the team. But two out of your three players that you're planting the flag on, in the ground on for pro football focus is the Dolphins got to build around these guys. Two out of those three guys combined have played nine, had nine starts in the NFL. Played in 10 games. And that was Tua. The fact that there's that level of unknown in your perceived franchise cornerstones is a testament to who else do you have that you could say with definitive confidence is going to fill that void. We have players we think can do it. I think Robert Hunt can be that kind of player on the offensive line, but he hasn't done it yet. I think Jerome Baker can be that kind of three-down threat at linebacker. I think if you had to pick a position player on either side of the football who's most realistically going to have a chance and an argument to make a push for first-team All-Pro, it's probably Jerome. Guy's going to play all three downs. 
He had seven sacks last year. He's led the team in tackles the last two seasons. He had his career. He had a career year. He was one of the five most effective linebackers in coverage last year, according to Next Gen Stats. He just got paid, so he's on the national radar. And he's entering year three in a Brian Flores system that implemented him a ton all over the place. The godfather of Locked On Dolphins, Travis Wingfield, just made a point yesterday on the Twitter timeline that he's like the second most blitz linebacker out of any linebacker in the last two years. So, Jerome Baker's probably the guy who has the most legitimate argument, but even then, he's got to get past guys. You get three of them, three all-pro guys on the roster for first team. You got Fred Warner and Bobby Wagner. Well, there's two of the three considered locks. You got Darius Leonard. You got to worry about. You got Eric Kendricks in Minnesota. You got to take account of. There's no shortage of threats. You got to be the best of the bunch. It's like Mike Kosecki at tight end, making the Pro Bowl. You're in the AFC East. You got to deal with Kelsey and Waller. There's two out of three Pro Bowl spots right there at the tight end position. You got to be the next best out of everybody. Good luck. But that's the pressing question for Miami, is who is going to fill that void? And if you had to ask me if Miami were going to have a third all-pro caliber player, Xavier Howard's certainly capable of replicating that if he stays healthy. Jason Sanders, certainly capable of replicating his success. Those two guys have reasonable chances of continuing to be all-pro players on an annual basis. Who right now is the next most ready to help Miami get three All-Pro players on the same roster in the same year since 2002, I'd probably pick Jerome Baker. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to place all of your sports bets this offseason in the NFL, this season in the NFL, you name it. You can visit betonline.ag and get all of the news live sports updates, and odds that you need. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game with Major League Baseball. NFL preseason starts next month. The NBA, NHL, UFC, you name it. You can head over to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. And right now, get a sign-up bonus of 50% if you use the promo code Locked On. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So let's talk about the Dolphins' offense, snap counts, what this team has lost this offseason organically. Um, It's not a bad place to be, if we're being completely honest. Uh, The Dolphins, in total, in free agency this offseason and then in trades, have lost nearly 3,100 offensive snaps, 3,073 to be exact. Well, there's guys like Chandler Cox and Antonio Callaway. These guys uh, were cut, Jordan Howard. They were cut or waived during the regular season. Their contracts were terminated. They didn't lose those snaps. They parted with those snaps in season. Strictly looking at players who were on the roster after the Week 17 game against Buffalo, who have since left the team. 3,073 snaps. That includes Ted Karras, who's responsible for over one-third of these snaps by himself, 1,076 at the center position. Eric Flowers, who the team, of course, traded 
at a discount back to the Washington football team. He was responsible for 856 snaps. Ryan Fitzpatrick, responsible for 496 snaps. Isaiah Ford, 374. He, of course, was a prominent part of the offense early on, was traded to New England, got cut, came back. Dolphins got a free draft pick as a result. Running back Matt Breida, 151. Running back DeAndre Washington, 77. Offensive tackle Julian Davenport, 52. So let me ask you this. That is the free agent departures plus Eric Flowers in a trade this offseason that Miami bid farewell to on the offensive side of the football. Are you going to miss Julian Davenport? No, I'll answer that for you. You're going to miss DeAndre Washington and his 77 snaps last year. No, I'll answer that for you. Are you going to miss Matt Breida, who was never really a fit stylistically for what Miami was capable of doing last year? No, I'll answer that for you. Isaiah Ford, zone buster, guy who just sits down in zone coverage, can't run away from anybody in man-to-man. Not when you consider the additions that they've had on the offensive side of the ball. Do I think this team would miss Ryan Fitzpatrick? Yes. Do I think this team had a choice in retaining Ryan Fitzpatrick versus transitioning fully to be Tua Tungvaloa's team? No. There was no option here, especially with the way things were handled down the stretch with the quote-unquote bullpen quarterback. That was never a sustainable model. Fitz had value to this football team. But when he came here, the understanding was always, we're going to pursue a long-term quarterback. That's been the curse of Ryan Fitzpatrick over the last eight years of his NFL career. Buffalo, New York, Tampa Bay, and now Miami. It's always been a pursuit of a more sustainable long-term option. So you didn't have a choice. His veteran leadership was valuable. His fearlessness was valuable. His pre-snap cognitive skills and diagnosis skills was certainly valuable. But he wasn't going to play. He simply was not going to play. Eric Flowers. Are you going to miss Eric Flowers? I would make the argument that the offensive line has addition by subtraction. By removing Eric Flowers off the line. I don't care if it's Solomon Kinley. I don't care if it's Michael Dieter. I don't care if it's DJ Fluker. I don't care if it's Jesse Davis. Anybody else in that spot. I have a great deal of respect for Eric's leadership. I'm glad he got the chance to live out his dream and play for the Miami Dolphins as a guy who played his college ball with the Miami Hurricanes. But he was not an effective NFL offensive lineman. Ted Karras, you may miss Ted Karras. That remains to be seen. We'll see how Michael Dieter, Cameron Tom, Matt Skura, that three-way battle for the center position, we have to see how that materializes before we can say with any level of confidence or certainty whether or not the Dolphins will miss him this season or not. I thought, personally, Ted Karras was a perfectly average, sufficient, not a standout in a good way, 
oftentimes not a standout in a bad way, and maybe it was because there was so much youth and inexperience around him on the offensive line that made me feel that way. Uh, but that was kind of – he was a middle-of-the-road replacement-level starting center in the NFL. And that is accounted for one-third, more than one-third, of the Dolphins' lost offensive snaps this offseason. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked, but not before I tell you about our friends at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver, rockauto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices are the same at rockauto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all your auto parts needs and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It tastes like victory, not just Victory Monday, which we celebrate here on Locked On Dolphins after dubs, but it tastes like victory every single day of the week that ends in Y and maybe twice on Sundays. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar, 100% chocolate on all of their bars. So whether you're looking for something that's a meal replacement, something to grab and go, something in the middle of the night, something keto-friendly, something after a workout, you name it, Built Bar can be it. So visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and save 15% off your order of the world's most delicious protein bar. That is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. So you do the math on what the Dolphins have lost, and and 3,000 snaps. Is that good? Is that bad? Is that uh, alarming? Uh, I could tell you this. The following teams, the Detroit Lions, the Los Angeles Rams, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Houston Texans, all of these teams lost over 4,000 snaps last year on the offensive side of the football. Now, you look at the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As of mid-April, they had lost less than 1,000, 848 snaps. But New England, 3,695 in mid-April. The New York Giants, 3,400. San Francisco 49ers, 3,070, approximately the same amount. Carolina Panthers, 3,610. You go on and on and on and on and on. Arizona Cardinals, 3,500. Tennessee Titans, 3,420. Cincinnati Bengals, 3,261. Atlanta Falcons, 3,768. New Orleans Saints, 3,113. The Chargers lost about 6,000 snaps. Literally, 6,000 snaps. Pittsburgh, 3,950. There are a ton of teams that lost a ton of snaps. There are only two teams as of the uh, profile and spotlight that was put together by overthecap.com in April, there were only two teams that lost less than 1,000 snaps on the offensive side of the ball. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 848 and the Cleveland Browns at 502. There were only an additional three teams that lost less than 2,000 snaps. The Denver Broncos, Minnesota Vikings, and the Chicago Bears. So in the grand scheme of things, 
the turnover that the Dolphins experienced in snaps lost. Never mind the fact that they replaced a lot of those snaps by signing guys like Phil, Will Fuller, Matt Skura, DJ Fluker, etc., etc., etc. And that doesn't even count draftable talent, Malcolm Brown. It uh, doesn't include players that were drafted in the NFL draft, like a Jalen Waddle, like a Hunter Long, so on and so forth. The Dolphins are in the middle of the road with the snaps that they lost last year. So obviously there's been a ton that's been made of the uh, co-coordinator situation and a new set of coordinators, new play caller, lack of continuity. Well, I think that's why the case was made that the Dolphins entering into year three made George Godsey, their former tight ends coach, who ended up working very closely with Tua Tungvaloa and has past experience as an offensive play caller, and Eric Studisville, who's a super long-tenured assistant coach in the NFL who was on staff last year. You put those two guys together, instead of bringing somebody else from outside the football, the, the Dolphins football circle in 2020 and charge them with crafting a playbook. So that terminology should ideally be able to stay similar. Now, there will be new concepts and things installed and new bells and whistles at the line of scrimmage and new operations to make sure that the offense can be flexible with what plays it is in and get in and out of in accordance to what Tua Tungvaloa is comfortable with, which was not something that existed last year, based on Tua Tungvaloa's um, self-admission that I really didn't know the playbook inside and out. So what we were able to do offensively was very limited, and we had a very simplified watered-down offense because that's what I was processing at a high level of, with them having enough confidence of me to go out and do it in the game and not do something catastrophic that was going to turn the game on its head. And the Dolphins will have new chemistry that's required to be put in place in the passing game with a Will Fuller, who is not going to play week one against the New England Patriots, and a Jalen Waddell, and an Albert Wilson who opted out of the 2020 season, and Robert Foster if he makes the roster. Now, all of these things add up. That, that's new chemistry that has to be created with reps. Now, thankfully, there's a much more prominent preseason process this year than last year. So hopefully the team can be in a better place by the time it gets to week one in that regard. But their lost snaps are middle of the road. You're bringing back three, maybe four starters on the offensive line, depending on how things shake out. You'll have a new starter at center, no questions asked. We'll see what the rest of it looks like. You'll have the tight end room in its entirety, plus a rookie who probably is not going to play early on and will probably be weaned into a role by midseason and probably play a more prominent role at the end of the year. You still have Devontae Parker-Brack. You're bringing back Tua Tungvaloa. You're bringing back Miles Gaskin as the featured role with an unquestioned competition for that featured role. You have two co-coordinators who weren't in that position last year, but they were in the room. They used the same terminology. They're not just going to randomly create a new lexicon and vocabulary 
to implement these concepts. It's what they used last year. So as far as expectations, looking for more chunk plays, obviously we've talked about the ideologies and how that applies in adding more speed at wide receiver. But from a continuity perspective, I think this has maybe slept on a little bit uh, for Miami. The coaches that are now responsible for calling the plays were in the building last year. And the majority of snaps that this team returns are back as well. Now, they might not all be in starting roles, and they've certainly leveled up at wide receiver. They've certainly added a, for lack of better phrasing, excuse my French, shit ton of competition on the offensive line. Good. They need to continue that because the offensive line last year wasn't good enough. Let the cream rise to the top. Rising tide raises all ships. Let them all duke it out. Find the best five based on your results through training camp the preseason. That's your starting line. Don't be married to anything. Let the competition tell you who deserves to play. Up front, I should say. In an ideal world, you have players returning as incumbents to spots that they played last year. Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, Solomon Kinley. He did spend a little bit of time at left guard when Eric Flowers went down with injury. He can fulfill that role. That was his natural role in Georgia. So I look at the big picture, and I don't think it's, it's a dire, slow start guaranteed like we saw last year with Miami where both sides of the ball started slow. Offensively and defensively, the first month of the season was oftentimes like pulling teeth. I don't think this offense is set up for that, even with the new pieces in place, because as this last 20 minutes has discussed, there's been a fair amount of continuity. They're middle of the road for what they lost from last year to this year, and the coaching presence that is new is familiar faces that understand the talent that they're working with. I'm Kyle Krabs. I hope you enjoyed this Wednesday edition of Locked On Dolphins. Tomorrow, we're going to do the defensive side of the ball. Snaps lost. What does that mean for expectations? Obviously, with the departures of Kyle Van Noy and Bobby McCain, some prominent departures. Shaq Lawson. We'll get into that tomorrow, though. Make sure you hit subscribe. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for listening. I hope you enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Talk with you all again tomorrow. Fins up.